We at Harlem Baptist Church want to welcome you as you join in listening to the word preached with us. We hope that you are both challenged and encouraged as we hear from the word of God. We pray that through this recording, you would know the truth of the gospel and that you would find life in Christ. If you don't have a church home, you are always welcome to join us. If you do, we pray this would not be a substitute, but instead a supplement to the preaching of your home church. Information about Harlem Baptist, as well as other sermons and resources, can be found at our website, www.harlanbaptist.org. God's people sing. That's the title of the sermon this morning. We're going to be talking through Psalm 98, and you know, this is just kind of crazy. This This psalm is all about singing, and uh, a few of you know the last couple days as we've anticipated reopening and we've been waiting for guidelines from the government, one of the things that we were told on Friday was that we could come back together, but that we couldn't have congregational singing, and uh, that just seemed so wrong, and we were scrambling to figure out, well, what do we do? How do we gather together when we don't sing? And you know, even thinking about that very truth, that's a, a recent thing in some of church history. For a long time, God's people didn't always sing, or what was sung wasn't even in the common language of the people until the Reformation. And we had the great hymns were written, were brought back into the church. Hymn singing was brought back into the church by men like Martin Luther and John Calvin and uh, so many others. And it's in our DNA about what we do. We are a people who sing. And thankfully, there were some uh, changes made from the recommendations from the government yesterday where we can have congregational singing when we get back together. So um, on May 24th, when we start back, I'm looking forward to singing with you. Now, one of the things they ask is if, we, if you can, anybody who can who wants to sing to wear a, a mask, which I think is, is perfectly reasonable. We want to be as safe as possible. But one thing we know is and what we see in this psalm is that the people of God sing. And it's in our very nature to sing, to respond to the Lord, just like we just did by singing that new song, All Praise to Him and Praise to the Lord the Almighty. When we look upon God, our hearts are drawn to sing, to sing His praises. And this is just a, a beautiful thing that, That's how God in His providence and His wisdom, He wired us to want to sing. Now, how does this tie into this message? Well, really, this is what this whole psalm is about. We can just think about this marvelous song that this psalm is. It's a a song singing about singing to the Lord and how He commands us to sing, how He has created us to sing, and even that all creation sings his praises so as we think about this that it's God's people they they sing uh, as they think about him I have a question I want to start out with though is do you sing and I, I know you all sing whether you sing only when you can be drowned out in the chorus of everyone who's gathered here, whether you sing in the shower, sing in your car. You may not sing when only people can hear only you. 
I know most people would appreciate if I only sang when everybody could drown me out. But if we are a people who sing by the way we live, are we a people who sing? Is there a song of our life that we demonstrate the life of God within us? So I've recently been reading uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones' series of sermons on John 3. And he is going through this series of uh, sermons and he's talking about what is the evidence of the new birth, the new life that God has brought within a Christian. And uh, one of the sermons that he wrote, uh, one I read most recently, he made clear that the evidence of new life in a person who is a Christian who has been reborn is a spirit of rejoicing. I want to I read this quote from him. He said, Why did our Lord die for us? Was it to make us miserable? Some people give the impression that the main effect of their being Christians is that they are miserable. They seem to know enough about these things to spoil everything else for them. They have no positive joy. He says, if what you have is something that makes you unhappy and miserable, if it just robs you of things and you feel you are always making great sacrifices, my dear friend, you know nothing about it. Your joy is meant to be a full and positive joy that is unspeakable and full of glory. If you read the Gospels, you see Jesus says, I've come to give you joy and joy to the fullest. And We see Paul in his letter to the Philippians saying, rejoice, rejoice. We see Peter telling his people that he's writing to, to have joy, to be a joyful people, to find joy in Christ. What's very clear from what Scripture says, what we're going to read in this psalm, is that people who know God, who see God, who are changed and given new life by God in Christ, they are a people who have joy. We talked about worship a few weeks ago, and we talked about how our hearts are geared towards worship, and we want to worship the Lord with all of our might. This morning, I want us to think about how when we look upon God, when we look upon what God has done, it creates in us a heart of joy. That does respond with song. You see, how could we claim to know Christ and not have joy? How could we claim to know Christ and not have joy? See, we're called to be joyful. As I've said already, we, that's what He promises to bring us. It's what the apostles speak of. This psalm shows us what it looks like to be a people who are joyful, who respond in song. And it shows us that God's people are a singing people. Now, ask the question, do you sing? I'm going to ask the question, do you need joy? And I'm going to tell you right now, man, I need it. I need joy, and I need joy that comes from a fountain that is unending, that is infinite. You see, I think a lot of us, we've been learning over the last couple months the fact that there are so many joys in life that are shallow, that now we can't access, that are limited, they're finite, they're things that can't fulfill, and they're not 
worthy of our song unless it's something that we can work, we can celebrate and be thankful for because it's a good gift from the one who is our source of joy. And you see, there's something so important about that sharing of joy and the sharing of joy in singing about who God is. And I, I feel like as a Christian, you can't, if you can't regularly share that joy through the gathering of saints together as we have not been able to do for these last two months, it's something that can make us become depressed. We can become disheartened because we've not been able to share. And we can share in a small part, which I'm so thankful for, that we've been able to worship together virtually. But this is something that we are meant to be able to share with one another, to encourage one another. And I cannot wait till we can gather again so we can sing together, we can read God's Word together and give thanks together because we are a singing people who need to be reminded where our source of joy is. Now, I say all this as the introduction to Psalm 98. This psalm, it, it tells us to sing to the Lord a new song. It shows us how we are to sing, why we are to sing, and to, to remember these things. And it gives us a, a good, solid foundation of how we are to have hearts that are rooted in the joy of God and respond with song. So let's, let's read Psalm 98 together. I invite you, you can follow along on the screen, or if you've got your Bible, read along with me. Let's read this psalm. So Psalm 98. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for He has done marvelous things. His right hand and His holy arm have worked salvation for Him. The Lord has made known His salvation. He has revealed His righteousness in the sight of the nations. He has remembered His steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth into joyous song and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with the lyre, with the lyre and the sound of melody, with trumpets and the sound of the horn. Make a joyful noise before the King, the Lord. Let the sea roar and all that fills it, the world and those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the hills sing for joy together. Before the Lord, for He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the people's with equity. Let's pray to the Lord. Father, You are worthy of our worship. You are worthy, Lord, of our praises. And we, Lord, sing to You a new song this morning. We sing a song of thankfulness, Lord, that You have made Yourself known to us, that You've revealed Your might, Lord, that Your power to save. Lord, You have demonstrated Your grace to us through Your Son. Lord, Your grace through, Lord, Your beauty in creation. We get to worship You, Lord, on this beautiful spring morning as we see, Lord, all around us the evidence of Your wisdom, the evidence, Lord, of Your love, of Your care, of Your, Lord, mightiness. And Lord, yet all those things are just a minute glimpse, Lord, compared, Lord, to the wisdom and beauty of Your plan of redemption. Lord, You, Lord, are worthy of our praise. 
Lord, we know that You are righteous. Lord, that You, Lord, are bringing about justice. We talked about that, Lord, last week. Lord, we know we can trust You. Lord, You are worthy of our praise. And Lord, it's because of all these things about You that is true, Lord, that we can have joy because we can have confidence, Lord, that no matter what trial we face, no matter the situation we find ourselves in, Lord, You can be and are our source of joy, one that is unfailing. So Lord, may we find joy in You and may we be a people who sing this morning. Lord, we thank You for Your Word revealed to us. Lord, may You speak through it. pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. So sing to the Lord a new song. He has done marvelous things. You know, I think it's definitely been easy over these last nine weeks to find reason to not sing. Find reason to, to be down, to be discouraged. But here we see the psalmist just bursting forth. And, you know, Psalm 96 says this starts out the same exact way. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. All the earth, it's this command. This is what we're created to do. This is what we're called to do. So when we get bogged down in the trials of life, when we get bogged down in the, the circumstances in which we find ourselves, what are we to do so that we can sing again? Well, we've got to remember where our roots are. We've got to remember where we're to be rooted and founded. And I, I just think back to Psalm 1, 3 through 4. It says, He is like a tree. Talking about the, the righteous man who trusts in the Lord. He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. And its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. And he says, the wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. And what we see is that the psalmist says, look, if you want to have this joy, if you want to be able to sing, you've got to be a tree that is planted next to the stream. A, a tree that has roots that reach down into that water that is always flowing, that finds its life there. For if you find your life in God, you will bear fruit. You won't wither. You won't be burnt up. You won't be blown away by the wind. So if we're going to be a people who sing, we've got to be rooted in the truth about who God is. You've noticed over the last nine weeks, this is a, a theme that is going again and again through these psalms. We've got to remember who is God. We've got to know God for our praises of who He is gives us that foundation on which we can stand firm, that we will not be blown to and fro, that we will have joy in the midst of trial, that we can have hope, that we can have peace. So we need to know who God is so that we can sing. So I want us to look at just three aspects of this psalm as we walk through and look at different examples of it and let's see how our joy is to be rooted. First, I want us to see that our joy is to be rooted in God's work. That's how the psalmist starts out. He says, sing to the Lord a new song. For what? He has done marvelous things. 
It is God's work that gives us a foundation by which we can have joy. So our joy has got to be rooted in. We've got to reflect on what has God done. Let's look at all the examples of His work. Let's see what He has done because His work is sure. We talked about God's character a few weeks ago and why this is so good because we know because God is sure, because God is unchanging, we can be confident that when He says He's going to do something, He'll finish it. I love what W.S. Plumer says. He was talking about God's work. He says, The thing, though future, is certain that it is spoken of as already done. He says, What God purposes, He surely affects. See, what God purposes, He surely affects. That means when God purposes to do something, we can know He's going to make it happen. And the reason, Plumer says, is this. He says, it's that God is in no sense dependent on the will, skill, or power of any other. You see, verse 1 says, His right hand and His holy arm have worked salvation for Him. Who has worked salvation? God has. His right hand, His holy arm. He is not dependent upon anything. So what God does, He will he will accomplish what He purposes. He will affect because He is not dependent upon anything else. How much sure of a foundation? You can't have a foundation sure than that. That God, He is not dependent upon us. He's not dependent upon anything. Nothing can withstand Him. Nothing can hold Him back. He will accomplish what He purposes. His right hand, His holy arm have worked salvation for him and we see the lord has made known his salvation he's revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations god's made known his salvation god's made known himself he's made known his wisdom and might just look at his creation so you need a reminder of how good god is how beautiful how wise how strong he is just go outside right now and look at the the beautiful blue sky Look at the mountains in their majesty and the blooms that are coming up, the greenery. Look at what God has done, what He's created, and look at how it's all balanced together, that, that, that we have the regular rhythms of springtime, summer, fall, and winter. That we see how God is at work. Look at His creation. Not only that, but think about the providence that He has displayed, that He knows and provides exactly what we need when we need it. He is able to work out all things for our good, those who trust in Him. Look at how He has made provision. Look at His revelation. The fact that He's made Himself known at all, that is grace, but that is God's work. You see, God exists outside of time, outside of our existence. He created all things from nothing. From nothing He created it. So He has created all things yet He didn't have to make Himself known through it, but He does. He chooses to reveal Himself to us. He reveals Himself to us through His Word specifically. He's made Himself known through His Son. But if we think back to the Old Testament, the beauty of this, we think about what verse 2 is saying, the psalmist says he's revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. Now here's something remarkable to think about. What's being said just in that statement alone, God's work is evident. His 
independence, his lack of being dependent upon anyone else in order to demonstrate his purposes and to demonstrate his righteousness is clear in the history of the people of Israel. So he's revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. What does that mean? Well, look how God has demonstrated his righteousness, his justice, and how he's dealt with his people before the world. You see, he called a people to himself out of Egypt. He's made them a holy people and he disciplines them as they've rebelled against him. He's making them holy. He's demonstrated his righteousness before the nations. And that's exactly, you think back to what Moses prayed to to God whenever God wanted to destroy all of Israel as they rebelled against him. Moses says, look what the nations, what what will they think? And God Moses is calling upon God's power and God's righteousness and he says, look, the nations will declare that you are righteous as you deal with them faithfully and he deals with them according to his covenant. Exactly what we read here that he's remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel even as he's disciplined them. So you think about this psalm in the course of the history of Israel. This means he's he's making his righteousness evident even as he disciplines Israel. And the psalmist is able to declare, look, God demonstrates his righteousness essentially even as he deals with me. So there's something here that I think is really important for us to think about as our joy is rooted in God's work. We know that God's work is sure. God is working out righteousness. God is working out salvation for those who trust in him. But God is also working out our holiness through sanctification and through discipline. And even through this trial, what we're going through right now, what this makes me think of, we don't know why we're going through all this, but we know that God will bring about His purposes of holiness, His purposes of making a people who reflect His image well. We know God is doing that, so can we sing as we're disciplined? Can we sing as God is is transforming us through trial. You see, you can only sing, you can only have joy that's rooted in God's work. If you recognize that God's work is sure, you embrace the fact that He is wiser beyond anything that we can understand, but we can sing because we know confidently God is working out our sanctification. God has worked out our salvation through things we could not have comprehended from our limited little human brains. But God's work is sure. His right hand and His holy arm have worked salvation for Him. If you want to be able to sing, your joy must be rooted in God's work, what He has done. Secondly, I want us to look What specifically does this work look like? There's so many, but the greatest work that God has done is His rescue of His people. So our joy, our ability to sing comes from a joy that is rooted in God's rescue. You see, I love what verse 3 says. He says, He's remembered His steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God the psalmist says. You see, the psalmist is ready to sing a song because God's covenant faithfulness remains true. It's been unchanging. And even though God has disciplined His people, even though God reveals His righteousness in the sight of all the nations, 
God loves His people. God is remembering His steadfast love. That steadfast love and faithfulness is the two covenant words that God is, attributes to His covenant with Israel throughout the Old Testament. His hesed and emmet. His steadfast love and loving kindness. His faithfulness. He keeps His promises. Even when Israel hasn't, He's kept His promises. And all the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. So a joy that is to is a person who's able to sing of God is a person who is rooted in God's rescue, who has a joy rooted in what God has done for them. And the psalmist says, look at what God has done. He has saved us according to His steadfast love. And what's bound up in all this is grace. Grace, because God didn't have, He didn't have to save us. We didn't deserve this salvation. And we know the, the scheme of all these things. He's faithful. He's righteous. He makes these promises, but we haven't kept our end of the bargain. We've embraced sin. We've sang songs to the sirens of this world. We have sang and worshipped the things that are created instead of the Creator. So when we look at what God has done, we look at His power, His might, and the fact that He has demonstrated that power and might with His covenant love, and He has still made a way for us to be saved from our sin, saved from the brokenness of this world, we realize that we can have a joy that's rooted because of what God has done. By grace, He has saved us. Not because of anything we've done, but because of His grace and love. See, God doesn't, he doesn't need us to praise Him. He doesn't need us to praise Him. And that's what I love this psalm goes on to hint at and some of the other psalms that say, look, you don't, God doesn't need us to praise Him, but our praise is His glory and our joy, so we should step into that privilege that we get to proclaim the glory of God and His love towards us because He didn't have to love us, but He did. That's why we see this language of creation. We see what has God done, but look at verses 7 through 8. It says, let the sea roar and all that fills it, the world and those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the hills sing for joy together. I just think about that. God has an entire universe that declares His glory, His wisdom, His might, but it is by His grace that He has chosen to use humans who He created in His image to be His image bearers so that we might glorify and praise Him. And even though we rebelled against Him, He has called and made a way of salvation for us to be reconciled to Him so that we can worship Him again and that we might praise Him. And that's actually what we were created to do. And we see the fallout in this world that when we are, because of sin, when we worship all these other things other than God, what is the result? The result is brokenness. The result is sin. The result is violence. The result is immorality. So God says, look, I've made a way for you to be saved. You've been created to sing. See, He didn't need us, but He in His grace has called us, has provided a means of rescue so that we might sing. Now, if you need some more evidence of this, I just think back to Jesus on 
the Palm Sunday as he's walking down, going down the Mount of Olives into Jerusalem. This is what he says in Luke 19. As he was drawing near, already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen. Saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Now, some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. And what does Jesus say to those Pharisees? I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. God doesn't need us to praise Him, but in His grace, He is called for us to praise Him. He's made a way for us to be reconciled by the salvation work through Jesus, His Son, so that we might be restored and that we might praise Him. For that's what we were created to do. He didn't need us. Even the rocks would cry out. The seas will roar. The rivers will clap their hands. The hills will sing. But God has called for us to sing His praises. See, the beauty of God's work is that He will accomplish this rescue. He will accomplish salvation. And He will do it with righteousness as He judges the earth with equity. And that is worthy of our praise. Our joy must be rooted in God's rescue as we see the grace He has demonstrated in rescuing us so that we might sing and praise Him again. See, we worship God because He is going to make all things new. He's going to make things right again. See, how things were originally created was that we were created to bear His image and to glorify Him through singing. And that's why a lot of people, when you read through Genesis 1 and 2, it reads like poetry. It's a, it's a song of praise as God creates all things and He puts man right in the midst of that song to continue that song of praise, of worshiping the Lord who creates all things. Look at His beauty, His might, His holiness, His righteousness. And that song is just brought to an abrupt halt by man's sin and the fall of Adam and Eve. See, we're created to sing. But when the foundation of our song is something other than God, it ends in disaster. And I think it's wonderful. We see a song, a creation, this beautiful thing that God, as He creates all things, He speaks it into existence. If you're a nerd like me, if you've read the Lord of the Rings and Gerald Tolkien's the, his creation story of the world of Middle Earth. It's literally that the God of the universe, he sings things into existence and it's a, a chorus, a symphony of all these things harmoniously coming together to sing and it's only when sin, when it, rebellion is brought into that the song stops. So what is God doing? He's calling for us to sing but Someone's got to come and mend all things. Someone's got to come and reconcile the brokenness to continue that song. So I think it's absolutely beautiful. I was reading W.S. Plumer's commentary on this psalm as he walks through it and he quotes this 
guy named Clark who makes this observation about this very important song in the New Testament. You see, when God appears to Mary in Luke's Gospel, and He tells Mary the Redeemer is coming and He's going to come through you. You are going to bear a child who is God in the flesh, who is going to make reconciliation, who's going to mend all things, who's going to reconcile sinful man to a holy God. Mary responds in song. And what this commentator did in Plumer, they look at the parallel of what happens in Psalm 98. So I've got it up on the screen, but I want to read what Plumer says. This is why reading the Old Testament and the New is so important. He says, It is pleasing to see how wondrously the Old and New Testaments correspond, like a complicated lock and a curious key. We can hardly engage in a more profitable business than in comparing the two Testaments. Like the cherubim over the mercy seat, they look towards each other and cast light on each other. So we are looking at, well, how does the New Testament demonstrate this singing, this song? Well, we see Mary singing a new song. Mary singing a new song of what God is going to do. Because the song that God, that God began at creation, got her, it got interrupted, it got broken by mankind, but God Himself is going to step in and sing a new song, give mankind a reason and an ability to sing again. Mary then sings this song, My soul magnifies the Lord. And her song, it parallels exactly what we see in Psalm 98. So you see in Psalm 98, David says, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Mary says, My soul magnifies the Lord. David says, He has done marvelous things. Mary says, He who is mighty has done great things for me. David says, His right hand and His holy arm have worked salvation for Him. Mary says, He has shown strength with His arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. David says, the Lord has made known His salvation. He has revealed His righteousness in the sight of the nations. And Mary says, His mercy is for those who fear Him from generation to generation. David says, He has remembered His steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. And Mary responds, He has helped His servant Israel in remembrance of His mercy as He spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to His offspring forever. God has called for us to sing and the beauty of His revelation is that when He introduces His Son who's going to come into the world and fix the broken music, who's going to fix the brokenness, it's reintroduced by a song that is sung by Mary who reflects on God's goodness. You see, Mary has joy Because she realizes what she was created to do. Mary has joy because she knows the work that God is going to accomplish. And Mary has joy because she sees the salvation that God is going to bring about. So what do we see? Our joy must be rooted in our created purpose. So this is what I want you to understand from all of this. We are a people who are created to sing. And if you don't know Christ, if you don't know God, then you have probably been singing all the songs of this world and you keep finding yourself disappointed. If you want to have real joy, 
I've got great news for you. You were created to find your joy in God and in Him alone. But you need to be given a new heart. You need to be given a new song. And that's only possible by the divine work of God. But here's the good news. He, when He does a work, He finishes it. His right hand and His holy arm have worked salvation. And He's not dependent upon you because you can't save yourself. But God in His graciousness, God in His sovereignty, God in His might has worked out salvation for you. So if you don't have joy, I want to tell you right now, you are created to find your joy in God. And if you will repent of looking for joy in all the wrong places, if you'll trust in God, the work that He's done, the salvation that He's brought through His Son, Jesus Christ, you can have joy again. See, you were created to find your joy in God. You were created to demonstrate joy in the glorification of God in all of His goodness. We were created to be a people who sing because our joy is rooted in God. See, this psalm, it, it tells us, sing a new song. Make a joyful noise to the Lord. And it says not just you, it says all the earth. Break forth into joyous song and sing praises. Look at the great salvation God has made. He did not have to do it. But He, in His steadfast love and faithfulness, has demonstrated His love, His kindness, His righteousness by making salvation possible for us. See, God created you to find joy in Him, but until you recognize your sin, until you recognize that you've sought for joy, sought for peace, and all these other things, you will not find joy. For you must stop singing the song of this world. You've got to find God, your joy in God. You've got to sing the song that only Christ can give. But He will give it. Those who trust in Him those who find their life in Christ, He gives a new song. We were created to be a people who sing. God calls for us to use every means available to glorify His name. So musically we sing. We play instruments. As this psalm makes clear, the use of instruments in worship is definitely biblical. We're called to use our lives to glorify God. We're called to sing His praises. We're called to be a people whose lives look like a song declaring the praises, the righteousness, the glory, the holiness of our Creator God. You were created to find joy in God. You were created to sing of your Creator, your Savior. In light of the salvation that He's made possible through Jesus Christ, His Son, we have every reason to sing. So I'm going to end with one question for you. What song will you sing today? I hope that you will join with me in singing the song 
of my Savior's praises, the Savior who graciously provided salvation for me when I did not deserve it. May God be glorified as we sing to him a new song. Let's pray. Father, Lord, you are so glorious and mighty. Lord, we have sung so many songs about so many other things that are not you. Lord, our lives, Lord, look like songs singing the praises of this world. Lord, our possessions, money, power, greed, influence. Lord, so many different things. And Lord, those songs are worthless. And Lord, our lives, Lord, if they're bound up in those terrible songs, they are worthless too. But Lord, You have promised to give us a new song. You have promised, Lord, to give us, Lord, of salvation through your Son that will give us new life, a new, Lord, voice to sing, a new understanding of what we are created to do. For, Lord, in our brokenness, we've forgotten, Lord, what we were created to do. So, Lord, my prayer today is that we would be a people who sing your praises. Lord, that we would be a people, Lord, whose joy is made clear by the lives that we live that our lives would truly, Lord, be a song of Your praise, of Your worship. Lord, so that we, Lord, might accurately, Lord, give You praise and reflect on You, but Lord, so that a lost world, a dark world, who does not know joy, who does not know peace, would by our praises, by our proclamation, Lord, of Your salvation, of Your work, Lord, would know joy as well. Lord, may you, Lord, work this new song out in our hearts. May you give us hearts, Lord, that only find joy and peace in you. And Lord, may you be glorified. For Lord, we know you will come to judge this world. You will judge it with righteousness, with equity. And Lord, only those, Lord, who know you and sing your song. Lord, will be saved by the grace of Christ. Lord, I pray that many will find life in Him and Lord, that they too will be able to sing with me a new song today. Lord, You are gracious and good. Your steadfast love and faithfulness is put on full display through Your Son. Lord, what He has done for us gives us every reason to sing with joy. Lord, may you be glorified in us today. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen.